Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. We have been in a series for the last couple of weeks uh, entitled Rhythm is Gonna Get You. And hopefully you've been enjoying the, the last six weeks of this series and it's been helpful to, excuse me, the last five weeks, today's week six. Uh, but we've been talking about what it looks like to establish or maybe reestablish some spiritual rhythms in our lives. Um, we, we've used this definition, I'll give it to you today just so that we're all on the same page. Uh, but a, a rhythm is a strong repeated pattern or a strong regular repeated pattern. We're talking about some patterns that need to be established in our lives. Some excuse me, some things that God has called us to establish and not waver from because we've been wired as humans to truly thrive in God when there are some, some non-negotiables in our lives, some things that we can set our watch to. And uh, last week, we jumped into uh, this subject of Sabbath. And if you're here because you were here last weekend and I enticed you to come back for week two of a two-part sermon, thank you. If you were not here last weekend, I wanna encourage you to go back and listen to last, last week's sermon because it will uh, bring a little bit more clarity uh, and, and completeness to what we're gonna talk about today. But we've been talking about the rhythm of rest. And uh, we, we gave you a, a word, a Bible word called Sabbath. I'll give you the definition for it again because it will help as we go to the word today. But uh, the word Sabbath, Sabbath means to cease from normal work, to desist and to rest, to cease, dis, desist and to rest. And from the beginning of time, God has woven a Sabbath rhythm into creation. From, from the beginning, he, he, he worked for six days and then he stopped on the seventh, he rested. Uh, and then in, in the book of Exodus, as we looked at last week, in the Ten Commandments, he commanded Israel to stop, to rest, to take some time to breathe. Because as we saw last week, they were no longer slaves. They were free people now. And the evidence of their freedom was found in the fact that they didn't have to work 24-7. And so God has, has told all of us, hey, I, I wired you a certain way. I've given you a rhythm that will make you successful in life, and that is to work Rest, repeat. That's the Sabbath rhythm. Come on, uh, say it with me. Work, rest, repeat. Work, rest, repeat. Or the young people, as I said last week, slay, play, and run it back. Yes, however you want to say it, uh, that, is, that is yours for the taking. So we're going to continue on in that conversation. We talked a little bit about the importance of Sabbath last week, and we talked about some barriers that we need to overcome, some cultural barriers that if we're going to truly implement this rhythm in our lives, we have to overcome. Today, we're going to get a little more practical with it, uh, talk about what a Sabbath looks like and what it doesn't look like in 2020, and a couple of different Sabbaths that I think we all need to establish in our world. So if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Mark chapter 2. We're going to start there today, and I'll read this, and then we'll We'll get into it. Uh, Mark chapter two, verse 23. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in scripture what David did when he and his companions were hungry? We went into the house of God during the days when Abathar was the high priest and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus drops this truth. He completely redefines Sabbath at this time in history. He makes an amazing statement that we're gonna dig into. He says, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was actually made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. That is a massive statement and we're gonna, we're gonna unpack it. But the Sabbath was made to meet our needs, not us to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Let me pray and then uh, we'll jump in. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I, I really thank you for your presence here today. I thank you that um, your church has not changed in thousands of years. Every time we gather, 
You're still here in our midst. You promise to show up every time we lift up your name and we gather together under the banner of Jesus. And so we thank you that you're here today, but we acknowledge that you're not just here to give us a high five and send us home. You're here because you wanna transform the way we think. You wanna transform the way that we live. And so as we go to your word, I pray that it would do what it promises, that it would sharpen us, it would make us the way that you've called us to be. It would, it would go right to the heart of where we're living and confront and, and bring conviction where necessary. We open our hearts to receive from you. Speak to us today and transform us before we leave this place. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. So I had an interesting conversation uh, this last week, uh, an enlightening conversation, if you will, um, about this particular part of the sermon. Um, occasionally, while I'm preparing a sermon, I, I don't feel like I've got enough content or story or analogy to really help paint a picture of what we're gonna be talking about. And so uh, fortunately for me, I have uh, some, some great uh, sources in my household. I go to my wife and I go to my daughters and I ask for a little help sometimes with the sermon. So whether you knew it or not, sometimes a 10-year-old and eight-year-old are helping you guys receive the word on any given Sunday morning. And uh, so I go to my kids and, and I ask you know, for help or stories that would help uh, analogize what we're talking about. And such was the case this last week. I was having a hard time bringing an analogy to the content. And so I, I left my office downstairs and I walked upstairs and I, I came to my, my wife and kids in the kitchen. And I said, guys, I need a little bit of help. I, I, don't know, I don't know how to really help people get what we're gonna be talking about today. So, so here's a question I've got for you. Um, I need you to tell me about a time where something was ruined by rules. Has anything ever been ruined by rules for you? You know, like you, you thought it was gonna be enjoyable, you thought it was gonna be fun, and then because of all the rules, it completely ruined it. And, and they kind of cocked their heads and looked at me like, I don't understand the question. I said, okay, well, let me, let me give you an example. Uh, right now, because of COVID, there's a lot of rules that we have to follow. So, you know, when you guys went to the park the other day and you were all excited to play in the park and you showed up and there was a big sign there and it said, you know, make sure you keep your distance from all the other kids and no more than three kids on the playground and don't you even smile because you're gonna get arrested. And you know, you, you know those signs like, all the rules it ruined your experience. Or you remember a couple weekends ago when after church we went to go out to eat with uh, the grandparents and we showed up to this place called 4505 in Nopa, the best barbecue joint in all of San Francisco right now. I highly recommend if anyone hasn't been there, just don't go today because I want to go today and I need a seat. Um, but, uh, you know, we went there with the grandparents and we ordered the big old family meal, the giant plate, and, and, and we went to go sit down and they told us that we weren't allowed to sit down with the whole family because only six people could sit at a table together, which makes complete sense because you can sit with a dozen people outside anywhere else, but for whatever reason, you can't do it at the restaurant, but I digress. Uh, so you know how those rules like ruined our experience? Like, like that, I need some examples. And my, my oldest daughter, she got a smile on her face. She's like, oh, okay, I got one, I got one. I said, okay, what you got, honey? She said, you. I said, uh, uh, no, no, you don't, you don't understand, okay? So, so, so what I was just like, stop, no, I understand. What you mean is like, because of the rules, it ruins the experience. Well, you do that all the time. And I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> Give me an example, a wise one. She's like, well, if you insist. You know, like when we say, hey, we want to paint or we want to bake and, you, and you, you tell us that it's okay, but then you start giving us all the rules about like where we can and where we can't paint in the house and, you know, what kind of paint we have to use and how we need to make sure we clean up the mess while we're going about our business. And you just make a whole bunch of rules and you rule, ruin all the fun. Or how about when mom got, you know, the new car and, and, and we were excited to sit in the back seat and we were ready to ride in it. And you're like, but don't you dare eat any food in the car because it's a brand new vehicle. And, 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 you know, and I'm like, okay, I get it. All right, calm down. We don't need any more examples. And I look at my wife like, babe, do you hear this? And she's like, well, <laughs> I'm like, okay. So apparently, uh, I also tend to ruin things by rules. I am the sermon illustration today for everybody, all right? You're welcome. 
And as a guy who tends to ruin things with rules, uh, I am now your analogy for this scripture that we just looked at in Mark chapter two. Because what we're looking at here in scripture is a group of people who had ruined something that was supposed to be good, something that was supposed to be enjoyable with a whole bunch of rules. Uh, Jesus told us, and in fact, God told us back in Exodus last weekend, Exodus chapter 16, that the Sabbath was supposed to be a gift. This is a gift that I am giving to you. It is something that I want to bless you with. And yet these Pharisees, they took a gift from God and they began to add a whole bunch of rules to it. It's what humanity always does. Humanity has the capacity to take a gift from God and add a whole bunch of rules to that gift and then repackage it and call it religion. Oh, come on, let me preach for just a moment about this, all right? Because this happens all the time. You know what religion is, right? Religion is a man-made system, a bunch of hoops that you have to jump through, a bunch of rules that have been implemented that have nothing to do with God, but someone somewhere years ago decided this is what it looks like for people to get close to Jesus, and so until you do X, Y, and Z, you don't stand any chance at drawing near to God. And there are entire movements, there are entire religions, there are entire denominations that have been built around this idea that you have to follow a set of rules in order to draw near to God. Don't you dare wear makeup, no only dresses in church, don't sing that kind of music, don't watch that kind of television. There's definitely not drums allowed, it's only the organ because that's what God loves, like that's what we're gonna experience in heaven. All the rules. Some of y'all have been to those churches, that's why you're here now, hey, okay. but. <laughs> We ain't got no rules, no. <laughs> but that's what religion does. It starts adding all of these ancillary things to the truth of the gospel until before you know it, you've ruined something good with rules. But come on, how many of you grateful today that you don't serve a God of rules, but you serve a God that says, my news is in fact good news for you. You can come broken, you can come listening to hip hop, you can come listening even to country music, and I'm okay with that. I'll still let you in my house. Romans 3.23 says, we have now been shown a way to be made right with God that is not found in keeping all the rules. We are made right with Jesus by placing our faith in him and in him alone. And that's true for anyone who believes, no matter what your background, no matter what your pedigree, no matter who you voted for, it does not matter. You are made right in Jesus because of faith in him and him alone. That's the gospel. That's the true good news. But these guys didn't get this. this they, they added a whole bunch of rules a whole bunch of religion to something good that God had given as a gift. In fact, let me give you a taste of some of the Sabbath rules that they had implemented between 1400 years when Moses told the people, this is what you are to do, and when Jesus walks on the scene. So by the time Mark 2 comes around, uh, the Jewish people had created 39 categorical prohibitions for the Sabbath. 39 different categories of things that you could not do because they didn't want you to break the rules of the Sabbath. They called it the Melachot, and those became the, the rules that governed whether or not you could rest in a certain way. Sounds super restful, doesn't it? <laughs> but, but here are some of the rules that they had in the Melachot. It was no planting, no plowing, no harvesting grain, as Jesus and his disciples are accused of doing here, no kneading, no cooking, uh, no separating two threads, no fishing, no writing, no erasing, no extinguishing of fire. Think about that one for a moment. <laughs> Uh, no moving between domains. So if you happen to like write the wrong word on a piece of paper, you weren't allowed to race it to the next day because there was no erasing. If you, your house was on fire, you had to let that sucker burn because you're not allowed to extinguish a fire on the Sabbath. Like these were all of the rules for the Sabbath. It was absolutely ridiculous. But 
they didn't feel that that list was exhaustive enough. And so they actually add, added an additional addendum to their 39 categories and they called it the Shavuot, which included a supporting list of things that were prohibited on the Sabbath because if you did them, they might lead you to breaking the, mech- the Melachot. So rules, literally on rules. It wasn't just rules. They added rules on top of their rules. And my daughter thought that I was no fun, okay? So there was a whole lot of rules about the Sabbath. And people became so terrified of breaking the rules that they couldn't even rest on a day that they're supposed to be resting. Like, what if I do the wrong thing? I'm gonna break the rules. I I can't rest because I'm supposed to be resting. It makes no sense. So Jesus comes and he begins to correct this wrong thinking. He begins to correct this idea that the Sabbath is supposed to be governed by a bunch of rules. And he he once again affirms God's intent for the Sabbath in Mark 2, 27, when he says, hey guys, let me remind you, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. This is not some big long list of rules you're supposed to follow. This is a gift to you. You need this. And it was made for you, not so that you could adhere to some strict protocol. And so let me give you my version of that statement. In other words, what Jesus is saying here, Sabbath is not supposed to be a burden, it's a blessing. It's not a burden, it is a blessing. Jesus says, I know how much you need this. I know how much you need to take a break. You need to breathe. Remember what we said last weekend, work without rest is not success, it is slavery. Jesus is saying, you are free, and this is the blessing that I'm giving to you in your freedom. So if Sabbath is becoming a burden for you, then my friend, you're actually doing it wrong, okay? You're supposed to be resting, not feeling burdened. Back to last week's sermon. If taking a day off was a burden to you because Jesus was not going to provide for seven days worth of work in five days, then it would be a burden, wouldn't it? If taking a day off meant that you were not gonna be able to complete all of the work you needed to complete because you were working five or six days instead of seven days, then it's a burden, it's not a blessing. If you are depleted in any way because you've taken some time away, then it's not a blessing, it becomes a burden. But Jesus has said, I I promise to supernaturally provide, to supernaturally equip, to give you supernatural rest if you will just honor this day because it is a blessing. I want to bless you with this. Thus, in an effort to make sure that we don't become like these Pharisees and these religious leaders, we need to remember this is a blessing and not a burden So when we start talking practically about what Sabbath is gonna look like for us, we don't need to make a big long list of rules that we need to follow in order to rest. We just need to simply think of one rule. This is it, ready? Rest. Does this bring me rest? If the answer to that is no, then it doesn't belong on my Sabbath. That's simple. So let's let's modernize this a little bit. Let's, let's, Let's make this super duper practical. What does a Sabbath look like in 2020? Uh, I'm gonna give you two different things because I I think that both of these are necessary to truly find the rest that Jesus is telling us we can find in him in the scripture. So we're gonna look at, at two different concepts here. And the first area of rest is probably the most obvious one when we start talking about Sabbath, and that is rest for your bodies. We need to talk about rest for our bodies. Um, permission to speak practically for a couple moments. Can I be super duper practical, all right? I don't want anyone accusing me of being a shallow preacher or this being a shallow church because I'm not gonna offer supporting scripture for anything I'm gonna say for the next couple of moments, all right? Fair warning. If you, need, <laughs> if you need that church, they're down the road. But for the next couple of moments, we're gonna just get super duper practical with this. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. 
as, as you think about Sabbath and how you're going to rest your body, I want you to run it through three filters, the three W's, okay? Who, what, and when. Who, what, and when. Those are your three W's, okay? Let's start with the first one. When it comes to resting your body, who? Who are you going to spend your Sabbath with? Who are you gonna be around? Some of us have some friends that are a little bit drama. Let's be honest. We have some people that, that drain us a little bit when we're around them, some grace growers, as the old people in the church would call them, you know? We all have those people in our world. Hey, if they are drama and they are draining, guess what? They don't belong on your Sabbath, okay? If you hang around some people that make you anxious every time you have conversations with, uh, with them and they're constantly bringing up topics that, you know, I don't wanna talk about this, this is, uh, we're debating and uh, this is uncomfortable, then you can hang out with them any other day of the week, but probably not on the Sabbath. Or maybe don't hang out with them at all. Just a little advice from Uncle Tim. But make sure that those people don't make their way into your Sabbath. However, if you're like me and Robin and you love being around people, then hang out with some folks on your Sabbath, some people that bring life to you, some people that are fun to be around. Sabbath does not mean that you're you know, standing in some isolated corner staring at the wall for 24 hours because I'm supposed to be resting right now, unless you like that sort of thing. In which case, introvert away, my friend. But if you like being around some people, then invite some people into your Sabbath. Don't put a whole bunch of rules on it. Remember, this is for your blessing. It's to bless you, not to be a burden. So who's gonna be around you on your Sabbath? Secondly, what? What are you going to do on the Sabbath? Again, I think there is this idea, in fact, I was talking to my father about this last week, that when we start thinking Sabbath, we put rules on it and we think like, okay, if I have to rest, then this is what it's going to be. I'm just, I'm just going to rest. And so we, we, you know, we picture Sabbath just like, you know, like this, like, I'm so relaxed right now. I'm super duper rested. If I roll over, I will put the downward dog position and I will rest. Like, I think that that's what we think Sabbath is. Now, if you're into the downward dog and the mantis and all the rest of that stuff, you know, do it correctly and with Jesus and don't invite demons into your body. But, you know, just enjoy those sorts of slow moving things. And that's great. Let me be honest with you. I'm not that guy. Okay. My wife knows that for, she's tried so many times to get me to yogi and I'm just not that dude. For me, I find rest in movement. I really do. Every one of us is wired different. I like to move and I like to move and move. I like to, I like to move and I find rest in movement. I really do. So for me, getting out on a golf course is rest for me. Playing basketball with a bunch of, well, playing basketball. Um, I hang out with a bunch of guys in their 20s that know how to play basketball and I'm the guy that's nearly 40 throwing a ball at a hoop, but it's enjoyable for me. <laughs> Uh, getting out and working out, doing some physical activity. Those things are refreshing to me. They bring life to me. They, they, they are rest for me. If I were to sit sedentary just on a couch all day long, I get agitated, I get weird, and that is not restful for me. You know how you're wired. You do you, boo-boo. Whatever you like, that is okay on your Sabbath. Do you like to shop? Do you like to go out and eat? Do you like to garden? Do you like to go to the movies and eat a bunch of popcorn? What do you do that brings rest to you? If you wanna sit on the couch and watch Netflix all day, man, you do it, that's fine, that's great. No judgment, no condemnation. But whatever brings you rest, that's what you should be doing. Now, as you start thinking creatively about things that you're going to do, do not forget things that you are not going to do on your Sabbath. Because there's a whole lot of stuff that we try to shove into our Sabbath because it's the other day of the week we can get that stuff done that is not restful. So, if cleaning your house is not restful for you, 
If doing yard work is not restful for you, if finishing projects around your home is not restful for you, if going to the DMV is not restful for you, if running errands is not restful for you, then probably don't do those things on your Sabbath. I would like to meet the person who says that the DMV is relaxing to them. There's a special place in heaven for you, for sure. Or how about this one? If social media is not restful for you, if you feel like, if you feel like incited to, to respond and, and it agitates you and things people say on social media get underneath your skin, you're like, I have to say something about this. And you're kind of the combat, com, combative, antagonistic person. Hey, maybe just put the gram down for a day. Maybe put it down for good, but put it down for a day. And, and that, doesn't, that doesn't get to come into your Sabbath. Be, be, be very keen to what you will and what you will not do on your Sabbath. So that, there's your who, there's your what, and let's talk about your when. I am convinced, not just because of my life, but because of scripture, that God has wired us for two different kinds of whens. I think we all need a weekly Sabbath, and I think we all need an annual Sabbath. At least one day every single week, and I think you need at least a week every single year. In, in the Bible, there was often these high holidays that, that God called his people to celebrate where they would take a break from their normal work and they would eat a whole lot of food and they would enjoy each other's company and they would rest for seven days straight. It's our modern version of a vacation, if you will. I think all of us need a weekly and an annual Sabbath. Let me talk about the weekly one first. In Bible times, uh, there was sort of a universal Sabbath. Everybody took Saturday off. Saturday was the day when all the businesses closed. It was the day when, when everybody stopped going out to the fields to work. It, everybody acknowledged that Saturday was the Sabbath. And in our minds sometimes, even in our modern culture, we think that Sabbath might fall somewhere on the weekend. In fact, it used to be that way. Uh, I don't know, 50, 60 years ago, everything was closed on Sunday, kind of like Chick-fil-A. Closed on Sunday, eat my Chick-fil-A. Uh, and, and, and so everybody just knew, okay, we don't, we don't go out and we don't work on Sunday. But that's not the case anymore. Some of us work on the weekends. So maybe the weekend is not your Sabbath day. I'll use myself as the example. I work every single weekend. Oh, I know, it's sad. I, I, I work on Saturdays, finishing preparing the sermon and praying for the church and freaking out a little bit to make sure that everything's gonna be okay on Sunday morning and stressing and ah, Saturdays is a lot of work. And then we wake up at 5 a.m. on Sundays. We drag our kids out of bed. Most of the time, they're not happy about it as this morning proved to be true. And we drag them to church. We set this whole place up. We make sure that everything's ready to go by the time you walk in for the services. I preach twice. We try to go out to lunch, meet with the family, go home. We do the online service thing at 6 p.m. because we wanna make sure that we're engaging with not just the people in the room, but those that are not in the room. It's a long work day. So for me, Saturdays and Sundays are, are not a Sabbath. So I Sabbath on Mondays. I take Mondays off. I answer those two questions. Who am I gonna be around? What am I gonna do? Shut off the phone, shut off the email, and I rest. So if you are not, uh, if you're working on the weekends and you don't have the weekend off, then don't try to make it happen on the weekends. Pick another day of the week. Don't be dogmatic and religious about it. Don't make rules. If it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day, pick your day. But once you pick it, listen to me, guard it. Do not let anything interrupt it. Don't let somebody else's schedule mandate when you can and when you cannot rest. Guard it and be serious about it. Like I said, I Sabbath on Mondays. That has proven to be very inconvenient for some people 
Many who have tried to get a hold of me on a Monday in a time of crisis or people who are trying to get a hold of me in the business and I just do not respond and they think I'm a horrible person and a horrible pastor. Well, I just made a decision. I'm not a pastor on Monday. I'm not a business owner on Monday. I'm a frail human on Monday that understands Jesus needs to fill me back up so that I can pour out Tuesday through Sunday. So I'm just gonna make sure that I block that out and no one else can get in on it. That's how it works. So if I've ignored you on a Monday, I'm not gonna apologize for it. But you need a day. And in addition to a day, you need a week, okay? I'll be brief on this. I know that when I say you need a vacation, immediately a lot of people have some like, ah, there's some, there's some, there's some coil because you're like, okay, I can't afford that. I can't afford to take time off of work and I can't afford to go somewhere for vacation. So just stop for a moment. Here's what I said. I said, you need a week. I did not say you need to spend a whole lot of money to go to some really foreign destination and exist on an island for seven days. That's not what I said. I just said, you need a week. And everyone can plan for a week. Here's the good news. You live in perhaps one of the greatest cities in the world, or at least near one of the greatest cities in the world. You have so many amazing things to do around you. Within minutes, you can be at a beach, or you can be eating at great restaurants. Within 30 minutes, you can be hanging out in the bay, or you can drive a couple of hours and head up to the mountains, and there's lakes, and there's so many things to do around this area. So pack a couple of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, get in your car, go somewhere amazing, come back home and sleep in your own bed for free. You can do that. And just do the little staycation thing. But whatever it is, prioritize an extended period of time. It's what we were wired for at least once a year where you get away for a day a week and you get away for a week a year. I know that's super practical. <laughs> like there was no Bible in any of that, but this is the way that we're wired. Okay, practical time with Tim over. Let's get spiritual again. Because here's the deal. Not, not only does your body need rest, but there's another part of you that needs rest as well. And you've probably experienced this before. You can be physically rested, but still spiritually agitated. You can, you can do all of the things. You can go to the golf course and go to the spa and do this stuff to, to relax and still feel unsettled in your soul. So in addition to your body needing some rest, as we talk about Sabbath, I would be remiss if we did not talk about the condition of your soul as well because your soul also needs some rest. Look at what the uh, theologian Matthew Henry said uh, in uh, a quote that he makes in one of his theological writings. He said, God has some regard for our bodies in the institution of Sabbath, that they might rest and not be tired out with the constant busyness of this world, but he actually had much more regard for our souls. The Sabbath was made a day of rest only in order to it being a day of holy work, a day of communion with God. In fact, uh, another theologian, the writer of the, uh, the message translation of the Bible, Eugene uh, Peterson, he said this, a day off without a soul Sabbath revelation is a bastard Sabbath. In other words, it's illegitimate. It is incapable of truly providing you rest. And so when we start talking about a Sabbath, we can't just talk about practically what we need to do to take some time off. We also need to make sure we talk about the condition of our soul and that we're giving our soul an opportunity to rest. Listen, um, I don't know about you, but my soul could use a little bit of rest right now. This year has been an absolute gut punch to the soul. You may not even realize it because you've gotten so numb to it. You've gotten so used to feeling this way, but our souls have gotten fatigued over the last eight months. We're tired on the inside. 
And just when we thought that maybe we would get a little bit of reprieve, this last week happened. And once again, there's tension, there's anxiety, and our souls are unsettled. And there is not a spa in the city or a golf course in the country that can settle your soul. Only Jesus can settle the soul. Jesus, um, in Mark chapter six, a couple chapters after the one we were just looking at, he, he sends his disciples out two by two. He tells them to go out and do some ministry. And they start going around to all these cities and, and doing what Jesus told them, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, doing the work. And after a little bit of time, they come back to Jesus and uh, they, they, they start bragging about all the great stuff that's happened while they were gone. And Jesus immediately puts them back to work. And they're once again wrapped back into the, the giant crowds and those that are coming to see Jesus, they're, they're wrapped right back into the, 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 the rat race of all the ministry work that they're doing. But Jesus makes an incredible statement to his disciples in Mark chapter six, when they are tired, they are fatigued, and they don't just need a little bit of physical rest, their souls need to rest a little bit. Look at, look at what he says in, uh, in Mark chapter six, verse 30. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they'd done and that they taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Have you ever been there before where you don't even have time to eat? <laughs> you ever been so busy that it's like lunch is past, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, how did I get here? Ah, so busy, so many demands. That's exactly where these guys were at. There were so many demands on their life at this moment. They didn't even have time to stop, take a break and eat. And Jesus, knowing that they are emptied out, he issues an invitation. He says, guys, come with me by yourself to get some rest. Uh, that word rest in the Greek is the word anapoeo, and it means to refresh, to recover, and to collect some strength. Come on, how many could use some of that today? Refresh, recover, and collect some strength. And that word, interestingly enough, virtually every time it's used in the New Testament, is used when it's talking about the condition of your soul. Your soul needs to be refreshed. It needs to recover and it needs to collect some strength. And so if we are looking for a definition, if we are looking for a directive when it comes to Sabbathing our souls, Jesus is telling us right here where to find it. He says, come alone with me by yourself and I will give rest to your soul. Uh, it's not found in any other earthly thing. You cannot rest the soul by doing something that the flesh has to offer. The only place the soul will ever find its rest is when we are alone with God by ourselves. So let me ask you this question, and it, maybe it's confronting for some. How much time do you spend alone with God? Do you even know how to be alone with God? Does that make you anxious just thinking about it? When, when you add up the 168 hours of your week, how many of those hours are all allocated to being alone with Jesus? And if you're anxious in heart, if your soul feels unsettled, if you feel like fatigue and exhaustion 
that goes beyond your physical body, it just feels like you're tired on the inside, I would be willing to bet that it's probably because there's not a whole lot of time being invested in being alone with God for the health of your soul. The soul is refreshed when we are alone with him. Now, a different sermon for a different day, but if that's the case, we probably need more than a week, once a week Sabbath for our soul. We probably need more than a once a year Sabbath for our soul. Probably need a little bit more than a church service for uh, you know, 65 minutes on a Sunday morning for our soul. This should be a daily Sabbath. Our souls are given every opportunity to freak out every 24 hours. We need to get alone with God. We need to get familiar with his presence. There is joy in the presence of Jesus. There is direction in the presence of Jesus. There is healing in the presence of Jesus. There is strength in the presence of Jesus. Everything you need is found in his presence. And he's saying, son, daughter, here's the invitation. Come alone with me by yourself, and then I will give you some rest. So as you begin to chart out what your Sabbath looks like, if this component is missing, you are never going to truly rest. You'll have rest for your physical body, but your soul will be agitated. No, we, we need to prioritize above where we're gonna eat and what we're gonna do and all the rest of that stuff. We need to prioritize being alone with God. And so that's the invitation. That is not my invitation to you. That is his invitation to you. Between these last two weeks, it is incredibly important to establish this rhythm in your life. It's incredibly important to give your body the rest it needs. It's even more important to give your soul the rest it's need, it needs. But this is a gift. It is not something he's gonna force on you. It's not something he's gonna say, you better do this or I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna love you. I'm not gonna bless you. No, it's, this is a gift. Sabbath was made to meet your needs. The question is, will you open that gift? Will you trust him for his provision? Will you trust him for his healing? Will you trust him for his peace? by honoring him with a Sabbath. I challenge you to do that. I promise you will never go back. But in our culture, in these days, as everything's getting drummed back up, sin and guard it because it will change everything for you. Amen? Amen? Let me pray. I'll invite the band to come as we conclude. Jesus, I thank you for your church. I thank you for this invitation and this gift that you've given to us. Lord, I pray for everyone who's kind of that linear thinker, the calculated mindset that is adding and subtracting right now in their brains and trying to figure out how to make this work. We just, we lay all of that at your feet right now. We trust you for this principle. We trust you for rest. I pray that as we begin to prioritize this, as we build time into our lives and our schedules to just stop and breathe and spend a little bit more time around you, that the promises of your word begin to actualize in our life, that we would sense that soul rest. I pray for every agitated, every weary soul in the room and watching today online. Lord, would you bring the anapueo, the rest that only you can bring, the refreshing and the restoring of our souls. We so desperately need it in these days. And even as I'm praying that, I know that there's probably some people here this morning or watching online that would say, 
man, my soul does not feel settled because I, I don't know that I have that relationship with Jesus. I'd love, to, I'd love to feel that settling and that peace in my soul, but I don't really know God and I haven't been following him and we're kind of at a distance. I wanna give you an opportunity before we conclude today to make the most important decision for your soul, to entrust your life to him and to know he's, he's got the best ahead of you. As, you as you lay your life in his hands, that he has good plans for your future. If you're here today and you're far from God and you know it and you do not wanna stay there, I wanna pray a very simple prayer with you. But before I do that, I just love seeing who I'm praying with. And no one's looking around, every eye is closed, every head is bowed. But if you're here today and you know you need to get things right with God and you know you need to pray this prayer with me, would you quickly lift up your hand and look up at me so that I know who I'm praying with? Thank you, man, got you in the back. Yeah, I got you right there, awesome. Anybody else? Awesome. I'm gonna pray this very simple prayer. And as I pray it, just repeat it after me in your heart. This is less about the words, more about you just having a moment with Jesus and giving your life over to him. Say, so Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness today. Today, I choose to follow you. I know I've been at a distance and I haven't been living my life for you, but today I wanna change that. I, I place my life in your hands. Help me to walk in your ways and to be your disciple. From this day forward, until I see you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we just thank God for those making a decision today? It's the best part of church. <laughs> I want everyone to do me a favor, take out your phones real quick, and if you're watching online, uh, there's a little button popping up right now that says, raise your hand, you can click that button as well. We're gonna all do something here in the room. As you take out your phone, if you just made that decision, we really wanna connect with you and help you get started strong on this journey. Uh, take, take out your text messaging app and text TFHSF to 97,000. As you text that, you're gonna get a response back with a, a little card to fill out. Give us a little bit of information about yourself. If you're watching online this week, someone from our team is gonna reach out to you. We're gonna get a Bible in your hands. We're gonna tell you what your next steps are. But for those that are here in the building, if you fill out that card, I want you to walk out to our connect table before you leave today. We've got some amazing people there that wanna say congratulations, but more, more importantly, they wanna give you a Bible, put it in your hands. And then we're gonna tell you how to take your next steps. The first 40 days of your journey are so, so important. Wanna teach you how to read the Bible, how to pray, what it looks like to be in community and how to take your very next step, which is to be water baptized. The supernatural power of the old you going into the grave in those waters and a new creation coming up out of those waters. So we'll tell you all about that as you head back to the connect table or as you fill out that card online. For the rest of you who have your phone out, uh, you can text someone that was not at church today. Tell them you missed seeing their face, but you hope to see them next week. Uh, why don't you stand to your feet? I'm gonna have our prayer team come forward. If you need prayer for anything before you leave, please come this way. Otherwise, thank you for joining us and we will see you next Sunday, live and in person once again. Try not to blow away out there. We love you, have a good Sunday. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church and click on the prayer and praise link tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.